rifling through those long boxes and bagging those books. Welcome to your home for Star Wars comics. This is the Cosmic Force Podcast, a Utini Podcast Network production. And now, here are your hosts, Tyler Reganti, Emma Park, Caleb Lamanek, and Jacob Bosch. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 20 of the Cosmic Force. My name is Tyler Reganti, and on tonight's show, we have a, another roundtable episode. This time, last time we did uh, Caleb's favorite arc. This time, it is Emma's favorite arc. Plus, we also have some new comics in our weekly pull list. So let's go ahead and get right into it by saying hello to Emma this week. Emma, how's it going? I believe you said it is uh, college. You officially started the semester, correct? That is correct. Yes. Hello, everybody. I started my first day of junior year of college today. Woo. I've been up for quite some time because I'm commuting for a week <laughs> until I move into my new place. And so I'm very tired. However, like Tyler mentioned, we are doing my favorite arc. So how could I not be happy and energetic? <laughs> All right. And uh, we also have Caleb here with us tonight. Caleb, I believe you said we have another new, uh, this is our like our, our brand new segment. Uh, what is, let's check in with Caleb's Star Wars ties. Exactly. <laughs> this is the last one that I've received, so I'll probably need to go out and actually buy some myself. But this is, this is a subtle one. This is the... Um, the schematics of the Millennium Falcon. I like and From it. a distance, it just looks like a nice red and gold tie. So of the three that I got, this is my favorite. I am really, really happy with this. And I'm just really, really happy to be here. Um, We get to talk about the Star Wars mainline series. It's a really good arc here. So, no, I'm really excited. I'm doing really well. I'm not too stressed here, unlike our people going back to school just now. But <laughs> speaking of which, how's the reading going? How's the, uh, Jake, Tyler, how's it, or Jacob, how's it going? Um... Uh, how do you how do you like uh, selling uh, and breaking contracts on selling boats? Uh, is this interesting to you? Because um, that's what I read boat today. Law. Yeah, boats. Uh, but no, it's going a little good. light reading. Well, yeah, a little, <laughs> yeah, a little just... light reading. Um, but yeah, no, it's been it's been okay. Um, uh, on another note, I do have to apologize for the audio listeners. I don't actually know how many of those we have. Uh, but I've been a few weeks behind on editing the podcast with moving and starting school. Uh, but I was able to get two out last week and I should have no problem getting out two out this week, which will catch us up. So if you're an audio listener, I am apologize for the extended wait, but you should be good, uh, pretty soon. Yeah, we, we, we've had life, unfortunately gets in the way sometimes, but, uh, we're glad you're here, whether you're here with us live in the chat, like Moonflyer and blind, uh, blind fates and, and everybody else that's in, in the chat. I see Neptune in here. I see, uh, uh, Dale in here, thank you all for joining us, or whether you are joining us on the audio podcast, whenever that is sometime in the future, we thank you for your support. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. We are a Star Wars comics podcast that broadcasts live right here on youtube.com slash utini every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. If you can't join us live, that's okay. These videos are available on our channel whenever you have the time or on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. We're also part of the Utini Podcast Network of nearly a dozen shows and a Discord channel at utini.com slash Discord with more than a thousand members with dozens of channels to choose from, ranging from all types of topics. I think Spider-Man trailer was a big hit. Uh, Gamescom talk was big today. Uh, Star Wars Comics channel. And, of course, the Tempest Runner uh, channel is also getting lots of love this week. So, uh if you like some nerdy things that, are, you know, that aren't aren't necessarily Star Wars related, come on down to our 
a Discord channel and, and join in on the fun. Uh, if you like what you see and you want to say thanks, then head over to our Patreon channel at patreon.com slash utini, where for as little as $5 a month, you can gain exclusive access to the entire Utini podcast network of shows, as well as, ex as exclusive merch and community involvement activities like our four-hour trivia. I I'm going to use the word extravaganza That's from last week. That's a great word to um, use. <laughs> that was an experience. Uh, for those of you who, who were, I believe, was was everybody here live at some point in the chat? Uh, I was. I th oh, for sure. I stayed for pretty much the whole thing. It was entertaining the entire way through. And also, I feel bad for the guys. <laughs> <laughs> yes, my phone died at like 10.45, and I was like, okay, well, that's no big deal. They're probably done. You know, they've been going since 8. It's like 2 hours and 45 minutes. And then when I finally get around to checking my phone again, it's like 12.45, and I see Cheryl like, hey, great episode. Really? Or it was so much fun. I'm like, did this just end? And yes. yeah, they went for four and a half four hours, hours yeah. with plenty of uh, trivia. Timothy had was a great host of the evening. Um, and it was a lot of fun, and I and I and I really encourage those of you who, if you're if you're thinking about joining the Patreon, um, joining or you know is, is is a great idea because these these events we do it for you, we do it for for all of you uh, as our as our way of showing thanks, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Kudos to all the guys from the Living Force, um, especially Corey, and their poor guy, <laughs> and and their, and their painful yes, night and, their and, and subsequent mourning for <laughs> for our entertainment. <laughs> We thank you for your sacrifice. So let's go ahead and get right into the main show tonight. And we start where we always do with the weekly poll list. And uh, what do we have on tap for this week? So we got a, we got a couple. Uh, first off, we have Darth Vader 2015 or Darth Vader number 15. Sorry, uh, of the War of the Bounty Hunters uh, event. Uh, subtitled The Assassin's Choice, written by Greg Pak with pencils by Raphael Yanko. Covered by Aaron Cooter. Uh, the colorist is Jason Keith, and letters from Joe Caramanga. Then we have Doctor Afra number thirteen, guest of honor, written by Alyssa Wong, pencils by Minkyu Jung, covered by Sarah Pacelli. The Victor is, or the inker is Victor Olazaba. Colorist is Rochelle Rosenberg, and letter Joe Caramanga again. And then the last one is. I, I give with well one we're very excited but I give with a bit of a caveat is uh, High Republic Volume 1 so long awaited uh, by everyone I know uh, that watches and listens to the Cosmic Force uh, but yeah High, Repo High Republic Volume 1 There Is No Fear written by Kevin Scott with pencils by Ario Anandito cover by Phil Noto inker Mark Morales colorist Annalisa Leone and letter Ariana Mayer so I say a caveat because depending on where you get your comic books from, you may or may not actually be able to get it today. Uh, if you get your, if you're, you know, you're trying to get a trade paperback from your local comic book store, or if you're trying to get it digitally uh, from Comixology, which will give it to you cheaper than um, than uh, buying a single issue on Comixology will, uh, then you can get it today. It also might come with like a lot of times they come with a cover gallery at the back, like have some variant covers so you can like flip through. So there is a little benefit there. Uh, you can get those today. Uh, but if you are getting it like a physical edition through Amazon or some other retailers, you're going to have to wait, I believe, until the 7th of, yeah, uh, the 7th of September. So check it out, depending on what you, what you got going on. Your shop may or may not have it, but you can get the Comixology link down below, as always, along with the links to the other two issues that came out today. So big, big news. 
I know we've all been anxiously awaiting this. I mean, even though we've all read the issues already, uh, this coming out means we get to talk about it with the rest of the community, which is very exciting. I know. Yes. Yes. I'm very excited about that. We are are trying to wait until everybody can get it, but uh, I believe the September 8th episode, which is, if I do my math correctly, in two weeks? Two weeks. Two weeks, we are doing the roundtable for, for that book. So I'm going ahead and saying it now before There's we There's a bullet point at the end. Yeah, I to... put it there. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, so everybody is, uh, we are all very excited. We all are, I mean, nothing but high praise for, for the High Republic. But yes, so that uh, is something that if you can get your hands on early, go ahead and, and start reading that because in two weeks, we really want you guys to, uh, to join us and, and, and talk about it in the chat. Uh, like we do with every roundtable, like we hopefully, hopefully you're doing tonight. But uh, all right, thank you for that, Jacob. Now we're, let's go ahead and go down to what we're loving this week. Uh, and my art of the week uh, is coming from, it's it's technically from the Age of Rebellion, uh, Tarkin. Um, I got the hardcover on Free Comic Book Day, and I've the whole book is great. And and so there's a, a good number of my art in the next couple of weeks is probably coming from this. But this is from Tarkin. Uh, the art is by Mark Lamming, and the color artists are Jordan Boyd and Niraj Manan. Um, and, and I chose this because we don't really get to see a lot of violence in in uh, in Star Wars comics. Um, and while I'm not, I don't condone violence, it was just, it was a very interesting, especially with it being from uh, from Tarkin. Or it was a very interesting choice. And, and to see... This sort of, of imagery was just something that wasn't something that I was used to. So kind of kind of caught me as soon as I turned the page and saw it. And, and it was a, a really excellent uh, arc. So, uh, yeah, it was something that I enjoyed. And, and like I said, there's there's a couple there's a couple more even even better ones that I've got that I've got in line for the. Oh, so are you tell me that ha- shirtless Tarkin is going to be coming up in the next few weeks. Uh, that might be making an appearance. There might be an appearance of Boba Fett riding some mechanical something okay. or other. Right. Um, there's, yeah, there's, I have a whole list of the ones that I've already pulled. So there it's, it's going to be fun. So, all right. As we talk about violence, I see Emma's, uh, shot in the preview here. And so Emma, what do we have in as your art of the week? Oh, we got to stick with that violent theme this week. Uh, I guess we're all feeling a little bit testy, but anyways, uh, I've got, uh, Star Wars 2015, number 43 here, art by Salvador La Roca. And I mean, it's punching Leia. That's like my favorite kind of Leia, you know, she's like, she's feisty, but she can also be a diplomat, but like, damn, she can throw a punch, you know? Uh, and also, the other thing I really liked here um, was Queen Trios's outfit because it reminded me a ton of uh, the Wonder Woman 1984 outfit uh, uh, yeah, that Wonder Woman that. was yeah. wearing, like with the gold. And she kind of has like, you know, on other pages you can see it better, but like she's kind of got like the abs and stuff. It looks really cool. Um, I don't know. I, I really, really love these like two sets of arcs, you know, Meet and Moncala that we're about to talk about. And then this one was the arc prior. Um, because it's got some of like the best Leia content, and including punching Leia, we we love it. <laughs> uh, outside of naked palps, I believe punching Leia is second for most appearances on on, on our show. So. It has to be. I, I I think that's accurate. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a great trope. So yes, it absolutely is. All right, Caleb, what's your art of the week this week? This one comes from Tie Fighter issue number two, uh, art by uh, Rope by uh, Rohe Antonio and Josh uh, Casara. This is a uh, 
it was just a pretty fun little arc about you know seeing you know tie fighter aces and uh waning days of the uh empire here and you know i love the action that they showed here but i like it when the main reason i picked this one is because we get these real cool uh like cutaways of like the shocked faces of the uh of the flight here so as they like show this like there's suddenly an uh kind of a arc there that kind of shock there and you can still see that they penciled in the uh flight suits and the helmet so you know that they're still in the helmet but we still get to have the uh you know emotion there so it's kind of a fun best of both worlds i really when this one popped up i'm like mm, okay i'm going to you know bookmark this one yeah yeah anytime that that you can get some some imperial perspective it's uh it's lots of fun so uh jacob you've got a an interesting I, I part of the week <laughs> choice here so why don't you uh, go ahead and give a little bit of backstory on right this. so a couple i think it was a couple weeks back Corey, maybe a little bit over a month probably now Corey sent a message in Slack trying to offload a bunch of his old books. He had a ton lying around, especially from the Utini book box days uh, that he was trying to get rid of. So I, I bought a few books and a bunch of other people, Tyler included, I believe, bought some books off of him. Yep. Uh, and he sent us all little care packages with, I mean, the books we paid for, but also some cool little merch. So uh, some old, like, book box leftover merch. So I was, the book boxes were well before my time. Uh, so I got some bookmarks, some stickers, and then I also got two issues, one of them I have right behind me, of this Utini magazine, which I believe was included in the book boxes. So That's it's, correct. Yes, I, I, I remember got... subscribing to the Utini book boxes, and they would, I still have my magazines and the book, uh, the bookmarks, Like, but I have to say, it is so weird to see that old Utini logo, because we've had the new one for so right. long. Right, <laughs> yeah. So I, I uh, of course, had to feature some art from, from these. I do have, I got two issues. I believe this is issue not. What was your second I issue? Because like, I have the same. It's the one where like, the people standing around the table that looks like. Something I like squadrons or something like that. I can't remember. I have so I've got I I've also got this one. I got the same one that uh-huh. you have, and then I've also got I've also got this one, which was I guess issue number four, for uh okay. Actually, I guess it's the same image on the back. So that's got a nice little uh, mm. little Sith lightsaber down down there on the on of, on on the bottom. So yeah, some nice little collectibles from Corey. So thank you, Corey. Well, it's you know it, it's not Sith lightsaber because that of course would be uh, copyright infringement. <laughs> oh, so of it's course. A very, we, all, all of the art is very vague. There's one that looks like kind of like Thrawn, but it's definitely not Thrawn uh, uh, for, all, for man, that purpose. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A humanoid, yeah, in a so, military uniform. But I was like, I was looking at this art, and again, this was before my time, and I. I on a tangent, I think we should divide Utini time into um, ABB and BBB, <laughs> which is before book boxes and after book boxes, of course. Um, but anyways, uh, I was like, I don't know who did this, but there, like, on, I slipped it over, and on the back was like a section about like how they make the covers. And the artist at the time, I don't know if he was a Utini employee, was uh, Keegan Blazy. Uh, apparently, there was a, like, it, like talked about his process of designing it and this art. For this specific cover, obviously, it has like a Palpatine-looking man in the you background. Mean a man in a hood, uh, with some, <laughs> yes, and a man in the hood with some generic sci-fi style spaceships. Uh, but the uh, inspiration was the Maw from Solo. Oh, cool! So, I didn't know that. There you go. That's awesome. And, yeah. So a little bit, of, a little piece of Utini history here. Very yeah, cool. that's some Very really cool. really cool stuff there. So, uh, Caleb, do we have a community art of the week? 
Not exactly. It's been, there's a little debate here about who would get it, but this one actually comes from uh, Neptune, our community submission, aka Landon. This one's from the 2020 run, issue 13, so just has come out practically. Uh, this one has uh, Luke scoring off against some bounty hunters when they're trying to track down uh, Han Solo, Frozen, and Carbonite. And, you know, he, the, you know, he did a really good, uh, Neptune did a great, great job, like, explaining why he picked it. And he has some really good points about it here, about how, like, that color work works really well with his yellow lightsaber versus his black shirt. You get a lot of fun, like, shock on his, the uh, antagonist on the enemies when he realized you're squaring up against a Jedi and not just a farm kid. And, you know, you know, it has C-3PO, you know, kind of quipping in the background, and that's always that's always a plus there. So just a overall really fun action spread. So uh, congratulations to uh, Neptune. Keep it up. You know, see if we can do it again next week. If But there's some really tight competition. So, you know, Moonflare, uh, Blind Flate, Fates, I'm looking at you. <laughs> All right. Like I said, we are about to get into the mutiny at Moncala. And uh, we're gonna, I'm going to give Emma a chance to, to really explain why she loves this so much. Before I do, I want to go ahead and give a little bit of background uh, on this book. So the creative team, uh, the writer is Kieran Gillen. The penciler is uh, Salvador LaRocca. The cover artists are David Marquez and Matthew Wilson. The editors are Jordan White. Uh, this publication, the issues were released between March 8th of 2018 and June 6th of 2018. And this is technically book eight of the Star Wars mainline uh, trade paperback. I occurs one year after the Battle of Yavin, and it was also published concurrently with Dark Lord of the Sith, The Burning Seas. So uh, it was a good time, very good stories for, for Star Wars comics uh, back in 2018. Um, but without further ado, Emma, I'm going to go ahead and turn this over to you, and so you can kind of lead the charge on uh, our, our, our preliminary ratings and, and, and really tell us how, why you love this book so much. Yeah, absolutely. So... First and foremost, uh, I want to preface this by saying uh, this is not going to go down in history as the number one best Star Wars comic arc, and I totally get that. However, it has a very, very near and dear place in my heart because of just the great Leia content. So before I go any further in my description why I love this, I will give my rating, and then I'll explain a little bit and then I'll give the guys a chance to as well. So I'm going to give this a 9.5. That's pretty high for me. Um, and so number one reason, all the great Leia stuff. It shows her leadership. It shows her grit, her determination. You've got, you know, the the strategic side of Leia that we don't get to see all too often. Like she comes up with this like brilliantly detailed plan. And also this is an extremely pivotal moment for the rebellion getting a fleet of ships that they need later on to destroy the Empire. Like, that is some really pivotal stuff here in this comic. And uh, additionally, you know, of course, the Leia stuff is my favorite in here. However, there's also some really awesome humor that I kind of forgot about. Like, when I was rereading it for uh, for this uh, episode... I was like, oh my gosh, this is like really funny. Like Han was funny. 3PO was great. This character, uh, uh, Tunga, he was great too. Like so much good stuff all around. Um, it's just, it's one of my favorites. It, it just, it really holds like a very close place in, in my heart. And, and the cover too. Oh my goodness. My favorite piece of Star Wars comic art ever. And I don't think we'll ever be surpass, surpassed in any way. Here it is. Jacob pulled it up. Oh my God. It's so good. Like 
I need to get a, a, a print of this for my condo. <laughs> so uh, I, sh- I should look look into that after the show. But yeah, oh my God, so, so, so good. So I'm going to toss uh, the, uh, the baton, uh, so to speak, over to Tyler. I want to hear what you have to rate this uh, before we get into our discussion. So I'm not going to rate it as high as you. Uh, I, I, I think I'm going to rate this a, somewhere around 8.2. Um, I really enjoy the story, uh, and I think this is the best, uh, sorry, the uh, dog fight in a comic that I have Mm. read in, like, those scenes in the middle, in the middle books were so entertaining when they were, when, when they were trying to block, block the the blockade, and I could really, I, I felt like it was like, like, like the panels were, were moving. It was, it was, it was great. Um, the comedy is great. This is the first time I'm, last week when we talked about how Charles Soule writes uh, Lando and you can really hear Billy D in your head when you're reading this. Mm. This is how I felt with Harrison Ford. Like this yeah. was quintessential Han Solo. Um, and I do really enjoy the, enjoy the, uh, the, the story. Um, the art was at times interesting. Actually, at all times interesting. Sometimes in a Agreed. good way, sometimes in a bad way. And uh, I, I have to, you know, we, this is a comic book. It's a visual medium. So that's where I have to penalize just a little bit uh, because the art can sometimes be, uh, yeah, it's 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 an interesting uh, art choice. You'll see. Yeah, yeah. So you've got some panels. Oh, perfect. So yeah, so right around an 8.2. Still a, an excellent book. I, I thoroughly enjoyed enjoyed the action of it. So uh and and I'm sure that, that by the end of this, we've got another 30 minutes for Emma to convince me to bring that up. So, yes, Emma, absolutely. Who, who, who we got? <laughs> who we have going next? Yeah, and and don't, you know what? You guys will not hurt my feelings if I I know that this is like you know when we're comparing you know we're comparing apples and oranges here. So nobody will offend me. I promise. So Caleb, I want to hear your thoughts next. Um. If I do, I don't usually like break them up between 0.5s, but you know, I think I might be the low ball here and maybe say 7.5 to 8. It's good. There's a lot of really fun bits here, but like overall, like in the series, even in the 2020, in the 2015 series, like I feel like there are better arcs that I enjoyed a lot more. Going back and rereading it, there's a lot of elements I really liked. The comedy, again, this sounds like a dead horse, but it's uh, it was a lot more. Uh, popping out like in the humor side than I really remember. There's some really good moments, but I feel like the next arc, the um, you know, the Hope Dies arc was a way better arc as it finally like paid off all these dramatic moments. But it's still a really good like setup arc, and they had a lot of good things. So I'll say seven point five to eight. Okay, fair enough, Jacob. How about you? Yeah, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna take a similar stance as Caleb, but I will give it a higher score. I think I'm gonna give it an eight point five. I think, you know, it's, I think, honestly, the Kieran Gillen section of Star Wars 2015, which was like the third quarter of the book, um, is my favorite. I think that's really where it starts paying off, um, whereas the beginning was still good, but it wasn't quite doing it for me. It was also, I think, a little bit too tied to the old, like, the Vader and the Afro stuff. So this is where the book was really shining. But again, I think like Caleb, there are better arcs. But th- this was still very good. But there are better arcs around this. Like yeah, hope dies. Yeah, no, I, I can I can totally see that point. Like um, I think 
it's hard. Like if I could pick to do these, like Hope Dies and Mutiny Among Calad together, because they are both so so good. But like I said, there's just something about this one that just I just love so much. So, anyways, let's get into our plot summary. And I believe Caleb, hmm. you're gonna kick us off here in our plot summary. Issue one slash this is issue number forty four. Uh, this one opens on the uh, on a grand watery planet of Dak, aka Mon Cala, with our heroic star warriors and Admiral Akbar attempting to secretly meet with uh, Grand Admiral slash Regent uh, Yotara, uh, who's the acting regent since the uh, Prince, uh, now King Charlie, or Lee Char, Lee Char is now uh, <laughs> uh, absent. They're spotted by an Imperial patrol, uh, and they have a brief scuffle and explosion as they run through the jungle and escape the troopers. But the regent will not risk joining the rebellion in open while the king is still held with the Empire. He is not willing to risk his people. Uh, retreating back to the uh, Makata space dock, Leia is, you know, decides to rally her forces and contacts their, man, their woman on the inside, Queen Trios, uh, attempting to find and use their um, her insider information to see if they can spring the king, as it were. Yes, and as we roll into issue 45, Leia has to present her report on the Moncala uh, excursion, and she says that it, at for now it was it was a failure, but we need somebody in charge that can support us. And they're like, we don't do assassinations. And she's like, that's not what I'm talking about. We need to free Lee Char. So uh, she puts together her plan to free the king in chains and gets approval from the Rebel High Command to that that is much more in line with what the rebellion uh, is, is all about. But in order to do that, they need to track down a very important asset because part of what they need is they need the moth in order to uh, get through all of the security around the prison that King that uh, Leechar is in. So what? Are the, how do they get the moth without raising suspicion? Well, they need to track down an asset on Mior Ain that where is a shape shifting Claudite named Tunga uh, is being held, and he is an actor who is a very uh, very integral. Uh, we also have some some punching, some Leia punching in this in this scene because uh, as soon as they open the door, um, Tonga is in uh, no, uh, of course, uh, Bail Organa's shape and trying to speak to Leia and try to. I don't I don't really know what what his purpose was there, um, but Leia's not 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 having it, and so she punches him in the face and says, "That's not what you're here for. Let's go." Um, and as we roll into issue 46, they go ahead and bring him up to speed on what they need him to do. And they basically need him to just, it's a, the opening of the Mon Cal Opera, and it's a five-hour event. It's plenty of time for us to go free uh, Lee Char, and you just need to sit there and, and stay in character that way. Um, so it brings out all the Empire's elites, including the Moth, who they need to infiltrate the prison. The plan goes off without a hitch as they swap the moths and jet off to Stroke Hill Prime, the watery prison world where they are where they are hope to free uh, King Lee Char as we get into issue 47. And Jacob's going to take over from there. Right. So, you know, as the Star Wars, the main crew are trying to desperately fight off the underwater sea monsters, 3PO is also back at the opera trying to keep Tunga in his uh, proper place as uh, the moth. 
uh, in the middle of the opera. So briefing him on the intricacies of the grand uh, performance. Uh, and then the plan oh, back on, uh, uh, was it Starkill Prime? Uh, it's going pretty well until they finally actually arrive at Lee Char's prison cell. Um, and he's uh, kind of on life support right now. Um, so not really in the place to lead a, a planet. Um, so, but uh, there is a solution. Leia and uh, and the crew are able to record the more or less last will of King Lee Char uh, before the guards storm in the room and kill him. Uh, but they get out with the recording and escape back to Moncala, where they meet with the uh, Urchia uh, again. And he refuses to help them though, and takes the recording at gunpoint after stunning Leia and leaving her on the ground. Uh, but much to the surprise of everyone around, uh, King Urchia has a or Regent Urchia has a change of heart and uploads the dying words of Lichar to the rest of the merch and mercantile fleet uh, around the planet. Yeah, so, and then now we're rolling into the last issue here, uh, 49. Uh, this sparks, like, a gigantic revolt on all the ships, and the Imperials are totally done for, uh, but they need a little bit of rebel help. Uh, so the rebels come to provide some cover as the Star Destroyers around Moncala uh, try to block off their fleet. Uh, so there's a lot of like dogfights in this last issue. It's really, really awesome. And uh, it leads to a single point of escape as uh, the mutineers attempt to uh, uh, flee to hyperspace. There's essentially a, a ship full of coaxium and they use it as a gigantic bomb. It's really cool. Uh, so the fleet is now fully armed in dry dock and is ready for the new rebellion. And Leia thanks Queen Trios for her help. Uh, she, however, when behind closed doors, contacts Darth Vader, instructing him that the trap should be sprung. So she's like a double, triple type of agent here. And uh, it was a really interesting turn of events that uh, really sets up the next uh, the next arc. So that is the summary. Now let's move into the characters. And who else could we start with other than Leia? <laughs> of course. Uh, she's, you know, the real hero of this arc. Um, and so I want to know from from you guys, Tyler, I'll start with you. Um, how do you think that this volume showcased her her positive or maybe negative qualities? Maybe a little bit of both. What do you think? I think the main quality that, that shows off here is two sides of the same card. And that's her perseverance and then her perseverance sometimes to a fault of, you know, this is we need to do this. This has to happen. We have to we, we need to go, you know. We need this fleet. The rebellion needs this fleet, but at the same time, it's it's borderline. I don't want to say disrespectful of of, of the Moncala people because, as Luke points out, Leia's made the ultimate sacrifice. You know, her planet is gone, but there's just there's never ending. You know, as far you know as as far as her her resilience, um, but uh, but I mean, I I think through all the things that Leia sees through, um, even if it's not apparent to us, the reader, or the other characters, especially Han, um, she has a reason for continuing to push through, and she's usually right more often than not. I can't remember a time that she actually was wrong. Um, so it was great. It was it, It's great to see her be challenged, be challenged by um, uh, Regent Urtia about the sacrifice and, and 
and see her kind of understanding, but still saying, you know, look, I get it. I get what your people have gone through, but we still need you and you still need to, you know, we still need you to help us. So, um, Leia in the comics is 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 amazing. I, I I don't you know she's become such a she was already a favorite character of mine, but she's become so much stronger with every single arc I read. Um, and this is is I, I totally understand why this is is a favorite arc of yours if you're looking at it from the Leia perspective because um, outside of arc two in the 2020 uh, book, mm-hmm. I think this is this is the strongest we've ever seen Leia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. Like, I-, I like how you bring up how she was challenged by the regent to sort of look at at her uh, want, or I guess we could see it as a need for the fleet, like to challenge her perspective on that, like how it will affect the Mon Calans, and and I think that that was an interesting look at her character, um, and obviously, like so many of her positive qualities are on display here you know we get to, my favorite part one of my favorite parts i mean i have so many favorite parts but <laughs> my favorite part has to be <laughs> when uh when she uh she's making the the plan to uh you know bring back king lee char and uh that conversation she had with general dodonna um about about stalling for time and things like that and some of the words he said to her and I, I thought that that was like a really interesting moment of, of insight into her leadership and her leadership style. Um, so I really like how they how they showed that off there, that she can be uh, very intelligent with her, her planning and strategies, uh, but also at the same time, very compassionate and caring towards the people that she's um, trying to help. So, uh, Caleb, I want to know your thoughts. Uh, what did you think about about some of the qualities uh, of Leia that were on display in this arc? She's definitely very, very, like, we see a very driven side of her. Like, she is 100%, like, full focus, like, full. It's weird that she's, you know, almost, like, fully trusting into Queen Trio. She puts all of her, like, chips in one spot and, like, goes all in on this thing. And that pays off really well, this uh, this art. Might not continue to pay for, well, <laughs> off for those who haven't read it. But, like, one thing I did really, like, was thought was very interesting is, you know, when you when you're on a mission and they rescue the uh, the shape changer, I mean the the blow open the sail, and the first thing that she's confronted it with is the vision of her long dead father. Mm. You know, Bail Organa, and like she doesn't blink for a moment. She knows that there's a shape changer in there, so she's like, there's not like a moment of like, oh, like you know, like guilt or sadness or like regret. She instantly like, no, I have to. I'm going to stun you. I'm going to tell you never to do that that crap again don't ever pull that again <laughs> my father is dead and move on with this sort of mission there and that's like such a uh, interesting sort of uh choice that you have done there because that's one thing that i was kind of realizing as i was going back through a lot of uh modern sort of things is we don't actually see bail organa die on all the run mm. we just know he was on it and it's just interesting that they've no one's ever tried to bring back bail you know yeah, I kind of for, for a half second. I I had to remember that. I was like, wait, that's that's not really. So for longer than I than I than I should admit, I, I definitely got caught off guard. I agree with you, Tyler. And and you know what? Uh, and Caleb, I think it's interesting that you bring this up because I I kind of had to like think about it a little bit in my head, and then I was like, well, what if she like felt it through the force? Like you know, she made like a really strong bond with him, 
And what if mm-hmm. she just felt it? I don't know. There's there's something about that. But I, I'm glad that you brought up a good transition for me here. So, you know, she saw her father as portrayed by Tunga. And she, like, as you said, had zero hesitation in uh, in knocking him out um, with, you know, no sort of emotion or anything like that. Uh, Jacob, why why do you think that she was, like, so, besides what we've already said, I, I guess, why do you think she was so resolute in that action um you know i don't i think it's just inherent in her character and who she is as a person i i you know i i want to definitely talk about her but i think it's interesting to compare it to uh the scene in the cave on dagobah with luke where luke's presents with a very similar scenario where you know he knows something like there's a like presence in this cave and he's alone on this planet with yoda more and r2d2 but when he walks in he sees vader and panics because he mm-hmm. can't handle that like mm-hmm. he doesn't have the mental capacity to, to deal with that or the emotional capacity to deal with that but then you compare with leia who is presented with her father who was just blown up on uh you know on alderaan not long ago and you're at this random prison and it's a you know an equally equally crazy like impossible scenario but instead of getting caught up in the moment and succumbing to her fears or her emotions she handles it you know she's here she's here to do the mission i think that's it's a byproduct of you know her being raised in the rebellion and doing what needs to be done exactly on a slightly related note to that i just finished uh from a certain point of view kind of the short story sort of thing and it's really fascinating because um one of the short stories with uh yoda is when he's finally visited by the the ghost of Obi-Wan, he's like, yeah, I can't wait to, I should have trained that Skywalker kid. You should bring the Skywalker kid. He's like, yeah, I'll bring Luke right over. He's like, no, I don't want Luke. I want Leia. <laughs> Yoda, I, I asked Yoda want to train Leia. She's probably way better than, like, than her, you know, than her uh, sibling there. Yeah, like, that's that's it, so interesting. I'm, I'm very glad that you brought that up, Jacob, the difference between uh, her reaction to a, like, startling familial sort of event i guess you could say uh between her and luke like like that it's very interesting their their different reactions she's much more confident in in her response and and luke is definitely more more questioning i would say and and speaking of trusting people uh she definitely trusted queen trios quite a bit i mean you could say that the entire mission like hinged on the success of, of whether or not Queen Trios is going to betray them or not. Um, so do you think, I mean, obviously, we know at the end that Leia's trust and faith in Trios was in fact misplaced. But before we found that out, did you think that perhaps Leia was a little bit too trusting of Trios and why? I'm going to start with uh, you, Tyler. I think this gets back to her, her, the negative element of her perseverance, and and that you know what this is. Jared says in the chat, in the chat, Queen Trios is the MVP of drunk trivia. So already we've got two mentions of drunk trivia last night, but uh, last week. But I, I think this is an, an element of Leia's smarter than this, and Leia should know to keep ch- keep keep an eye on her more than at least is is described in this arc and i think that her uh, at least to us the reader her blind faith in her is a little uncharacteristic and and of of leia and i think it's one of the few times we were like i say she she's a little bit blinded by her ideals and 
and how much the 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 rebellion needs this. Um, but I I I think Leia knows Leia's smarter than this, and 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 now I. I have not read the the future arc, so I actually have no idea what happens oh, cool. after this <laughs> after that panel. Um, but so it's it's it shouldn't it's you know I shouldn't sit here and say Leia should know better, but at the same time I do feel that Leia is a smarter character and should have at least maybe she did hedge her bets and we and I just don't realize it yet as a reader because it's in another arc. I feel like she should have hedged her bets more, knowing mm-hmm. her history and knowing what you know. The, the the potential for uh, how poorly you know she could set the the rebellion up. Yeah, I I, th- I think that this showed like definitely you know we talk a lot about the positive uh, facets of her character that are on display here, and I think that this does a, a good job of showing one of the uh, pitfalls of her of her character as well. Not in like a bad way, but like a good way because all good characters have have good aspects and bad um i think it's like she saw her opening to get the one thing that she thought could win the battle against the empire win the entire Mm -hmm. war she saw that opening and she decided that it was like worthwhile to place trust in this one person that she felt like probably wouldn't betray them even though we know that ended up not being so true um and so i I respect that this arc showed both of those sides to her, like the super strong and confident uh, Leia that that seems to always have the correct answers, but also the one that is endlessly hopeful and that is it, it can be bad, but it can also be a really, really good thing. Yeah. Caleb, I, I believe the, you were going to say something. Yeah, like the big reason that why Leia trust so much in queen trios is because she thinks the two of them are the same person she sees so much of herself in queen trios and they have the same upbringing of being uh you know royalty in a you know prestigious sort of country both of their families were killed by darth vader like you know you know she thinks that you know leia had to rebel against the empire to try to save the future and when she, when she is met with queen trios like there's a um yo there's that she confides that you know i'm doing this cuz i hate the empire and i want to help the rebellion cuz i will die if i stay in the empire and that's the sort of thing that's going on there um the big like i said like if you've read the Darth Vader comic book, like one of the things is that like Darth, how Darth Vader intimidates Queen Trios is he goes to her and he gives her a giant chunk of rock and the, proclaims, "This is what's left of Alderaan. This is a reminder what happens if you betray me." And like it's such like an intimidating moment that you could like when you're reading it, you can absolutely see why she would want to rebel and again be against that. But in the end, Trios is too weak to rebel fully so that is why she still works with the uh with the empire and like it sets up a really really great arc down the line after this like you know betrayal goes off that really i think kind of culminates all of like leia's characteristics when you know the whole return to uh shore trar goes off so like that is why leia you know trusts queen trio so much is because she desperately wants to seed more of herself in her. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I can, I can see that being, you know, we've made those comparisons before of Afra and 
Han Solo are kind of like the same mm-hmm. character, except Han has the positive influences in his life and Dr. Aphra doesn't. And I, and that's an, like an excellent point that you just made that really like you did. This could kind of be that same relationship. If, if trios had the relationships and the people in her life that Leia did that, cause, cause I, I believe, I think you're absolutely right. I think in Leia's mind, there's no way that trios would, uh, would turn against them because turning against them would mean siding with the empire. And who would want to do that? Well, you know how you know how how dangerous this is and how awful they are. You would never side. You've with seen the it empire. firsthand. You saw right, him like right. kill your father in front of you. And 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 I think yeah, she absolutely thinks you know we're we're the same person. But she doesn't. You know, Trios doesn't have the positive influences that that Leia has. And I think this is really one of those you know, mirror images that we've seen so work so well in comics of what happens when you have these, these characters who don't have the, each other to, to bring them out of the muck and to help them stay on the straight and narrow and, and, and have, you know, you know, these, these other, you know, gray or, or, you know, evil characters. Yeah. Jacob, any thoughts before we move on to Han? No, I mean, I think you guys really hit it on the head. I think these are two, well, I mean, I know the original play was to be talking about Leia, and we've gone off on a wonderful tr- Queen Trios tangent. I, I like she's one of my, I would say like a top five like favorite, um, uh, like comics original character for like the 2015 era for me. Mm, like, I would agree. She's with that. definitely very interesting, mm-hmm. and yeah. yeah, between the the Siege of Shutoran and the like uh, Scourge of Shutoran, those are like both very interesting arcs that are yeah are definitely standouts for me. Uh, but yeah, moving on to Han. Uh, Han, yeah, Han plays. I mean, he plays a you know somewhat of a minor role, I think, in this arc. Mm-hmm. Like honestly, like trying to, I was like trying to find art for him. And I mean, to be fair, I was being lazy and like just like, all right, whatever. Like let's check two issues and like nothing stands out. And I so I like, grab something. He's like more of a like a afterthought. I would almost like he. I I really feel like personally to me his role in this arc is to be a uh a foil to which you compare leia like and it's like oh yes we have han the jokester smuggler and then we have the responsible in leia who's respond like you know gonna get all the get all the shit done but so i don't know like uh so caleb i mean caleb how do you see that like do you do you interpret it differently or are you definitely like uh this is definitely in the you know they're setting up the han like story arc not that he had too many major arcs in this this whole uh run here but like he's definitely like this is leia's story so we're going to have have han be a very much of his like trickster nature his kind of jokey nature here he's got some good scenes with luke in the off time you know in the scene you know he he casually blows up some uh stormtroopers and has the elects Chewbacca to be a hand towel like there's just some wild <laughs> jokey sort of bits there there's a really powerful bit there at the end where like like right after the death of Lichar you know Leia says you know I please don't say anything and Han says I don't think I didn't realize you didn't know me at all right like yeah like I like Han definitely knows when to shut up but he also knows that life is kind of a joke and he's like that's how he copes with these sorts of things. So, no, he's he's definitely um, not really serious in this issue, but his actions are very, very good. I'm gl- so glad Han is, you know, with them in this uh, whole session here. Yeah, I definitely feel like you know Han gets a lot of a, a lot of good moments in 
in this run anyways and i feel like uh i feel like this was definitely more of leia's moment to shine like however i i did get to i really enjoyed seeing like goofy han instead of the more like i gotta get out of here like asap han uh you know sort of not maybe enjoying himself is the wrong way to put it but like he was having fun poking poking uh fun at everybody else which i enjoyed seeing like he was just up to mischief the whole time and at the same time, you could tell he cared about the outcome of the situation as well, which I thought uh, was a great way to play it. I mean, you know, when they were uh, uh, getting off of the uh, the prison planet there, uh, you know, he, he really did not want to to lose the, the recording. He wanted everything to go right. So I, I enjoyed seeing that, like, duality of, like, he cares, but, like, he can also not take himself too seriously. And I think that's when Han is at his peak for me is when you can see those two sides. Yeah. I was, I have two favorite parts in this arc for Han and they do, and they do exactly that. The one part where they're, they're briefing Tonga and he's going on. I think C3PO is going on about all the things that he's done and, and how he brags and, and Han's like, you know, all you do is brag about yourself, and and Tonga whips back at it, quips back at him, and is like, "Well, if you did more than 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 run the Kessel Run, you'd be able to. You'd brag about it too." <laughs> and he kind of looks, and I don't remember who it was. I think it was Chewy, where he kind of mumbles because words are a little bit smaller. He learns, he turns to Chewy, and again, I can hear Harrison Ford. He turns to Chewy, and he's like, "See, he's heard of me," <laughs> and that's like the charismatic, like that's. I again that is that is the Han Solo that we fell in love with in the uh in the movies is that like he can be serious but at the same time like he's got those fun little sarcastic moments and the other part I don't remember I think it was after uh the regent said no again right after he he um stunned Leia Luke wants to go in hard on him and really try to give him a guilt trip and and Han's like, just let it go. There's just there are some times when you just have to realize that you don't have a winning hand and you just need to walk away. And I kind of got I, I don't remember if the text was in there or not, but I kind of got a not only is this a time to walk away, but we're walking away because this is a very sensitive subject and we're talking about the persecution of an entire people and all he's and I feel like Han can see the regent is doing what he feels is best for his people. And Luke, still in that farm boy innocence, can't see it. And Han's trying to give him that teaching moment of, don't do it. Just sometimes you just you just have to walk away and you just have to accept the loss. And it was a really, really way for him to act kind of big brotherish to to Han, to Luke without coming down on him um, and, and realize that you know this is a serious topic and we just you know let's not say anything that we did that we regret. Let's just you know what didn't work out let's just go yeah that that Absolutely. was a that was a top tier moment for me too like because you definitely got that vibe that han has been in a situation like that before where it's it's just better yeah. to walk away and mm-hmm. you know we've all been in those situations before so you felt very relatable there and and sometimes i feel like uh sometimes i feel like we can all relate a lot better to luke out of the trio and this is one of those moments where like i could really relate to to Han here in this in that situation. Sometimes it's better to just walk away. Absolutely. And one thing I did count notice, I think Han's like smooth talking and calf, quick 
action here has been getting better. Like he's actually has actually talked himself out of a couple problems there uh, in that series. So, you know, a a for improvement here. So speaking of quick talking, the uh, next character we have on the list is kind of the breakout character. My personal favorite from this entire uh, arc here was uh, the uh, the uh, Claudite Tonga, the uh, the kind of shape changer here and being like a shape changer and being able to go from like position to position. I felt like they did a good job of kind of fitting in with the crew and being like a, a valuable member. How, how did you guys feel about Tunga? He definitely, he reminded me so much of like a court jester or something like that. Just like this took completely goofy dude. Um, I thought it was interesting that, that, um, Gosh, I think his name is General Draven, you know, the guy from uh, Rogue One. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he When he said, oh, we've got an asset that could help you here. And then we go in and break someone out of prison. And it's this, like, goofy dude who can change forms. I was like, how is this going to help the mission? And, you know, part of me wonders, like, what was Leia's thinking in this moment? Like, how how is this going to help? How How is he going to? I think... It, what was really cool about Tonga for me is that he got along so well with C-3PO. And I just, I love that for C-3PO. I mean, he finally has a buddy that he can like talk about the arts with and and be sophisticated with. So I'm very happy for C-3PO and, and Tonga's um, friendship here. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Like, I like whenever we get to see C-3PO in his element of like, you know, high society and like <laughs> translating and things like that, it's like, oh yeah, that's why you exist. This is why C-3PO is a fun character when he actually, when he's not just walking around desert environments, when he's, um, you know, trying to be a diplomatic and like, oh no, I have to translate the intricacies of a entire Moncala opera over four hours. Like, this is the hardest thing in the world. Like, that sort of, like, panic of, like, C-3PO and, like, these great situations, which I totally, like, it's, I get, they're fun, but, you know, they're, um, it's a, it's a lot of good, (laughs) it's a lot of, why are we zooming in on that? Hello there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, what, what, what are we looking at here? Just, it's a visual gag, it was a visual gag. Uh, Yeah. Okay. Oh, I didn't notice that. Uh, yeah, yeah, I completely missed Tonga this. Tonga <laughs> is like sticking his little head out of the little hole they cut in the bathroom <laughs> wall. <laughs> As he's like, he's that's when he's like going back in. He's like, all right, I'll see you guys later. Oh my yeah, goodness, I, I didn't notice that. <laughs> I thought you did that in like Photoshop or something. <laughs> no, no, he is there. You can take a look. Wow. My my favorite moment for Tonga was I, I believe it was during the intermission when C three P was behind him, like kind of helping him small talk, and he was like, oh yes, I you know. The 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 blo- blowing up with the Death Star. Oh, that's not a big deal. We've got like fifteen of those. It's like, <laughs> it's like I don't think I don't think the Imperials would really would really uh, admit that. And he was like, Oh, but you know we've got plenty of other like, <laughs> just and just his yeah. And then he was like, and when someone was like, Oh, what do you think of the shrimp harvest well, this year? Well, and, well, well, and, well the and, harvest are up sixteen percent over the last and, four quarters. Yeah, C three PO is like trying to give him, and he's like, It's boring. Nobody cares. And that's <laughs> just like that was that was. A moan of levity that I wasn't expecting, um, and I and I, I enjoyed that because it, it for because um I, I again I feel like a moth would exactly say that I think moth would absolutely grandstand about how awesome the uh, the Imperials are. There was another thing right before then uh, conversation. That I don't for, I don't remember what the details of it was, but again he answered it right like I thought he would, and then 
you know, I'm off. It doesn't care about the, the shrimp harvest on a planet like like Moncala. I mean, nobody cares about that. And that was that was my favorite Tonga moment. And I, I again, I haven't read any of this. I would like to see more of him. Do we do we does he come back at all or is he one yes, of those characters? A little bit. OK, he does. OK, cool. Because that's 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 exciting to hear. Yeah, no, uh, speaking of favorite moments with Tunga, like, there was a moment where he was talking to Luke. Luke had just gotten into the Stormtrooper disguise, and he said, you you play a really good Stormtrooper character, or he says something like this, you play a really good Stormtrooper character, except you just seem to be a little too short. (laughs) I was like, that's a great... You're on the low low grade for the allotment of, and Luke's like, scan it. (laughs) Yeah, oh my god, it was so, so, such a good callback. (laughs) Yeah. Well, in addition to t- to Tunga, we also get um, two. I'm going to call them new characters because uh, they're they're new in the comics, and that's Regent uh, Urtia and Lee Char. Now we all know that Lee Char was uh, it pre- played a, uh, a a character in uh, uh, no not Rebels. I'm sorry, uh, Clone Wars. Clone Wars. Um, so how do we? You know, the Regent's in a very difficult difficult place. You know, Lee Char is technically the king. But he's been, I believe he was arrested, right? That's why he was yes. he was in prison. So yes. yeah. he was never formally replaced. You know, so so Urtia is definitely ruling the Moncal people in Lee Char's stead. He is not it is not up to the regent to make the decisions. It is it is I kind of took the impression of he's making what he felt would be Lee Char's, you know, ideas and 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 leading in in, in his example. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm going to ask, uh, Jacob, do we see, you know, he's very resistant at the beginning of the arc. He ends up, you know, with this heroic moment, uh, at the end where he's able to, to, to broadcast the, the, uh, the, the message, the Leechar's last words. Um, is this a tragic arc? Is this a heroic arc? Is it a little bit of both? Like how, how do you, how would you describe his, his, his arc in this book? Yeah, so I think it's very it's easy to just be the passive reader, kind of like going through flipping through the book and be like, "Wow, you know, I don't like uh, Utra or uh, Ertia. I mean, he's like going against our heroes. He's in the way. He's an obstacle they have to overcome. So like, I don't like him." But uh, I, w- I we mentioned it offhand earlier, but this was published simultaneous with um, Burning Seas, which is a, a really cool arc in the Dark Lord of the Sith comic book where it is kind of like the flip end of this. So like they were back like you know kind of back to back issues and it is the Darth Vader leading the empire and the inquisitors on Moncala and like it's called burning seas for a reason. They just destroy the place. Mm-hmm. And you see what happens when the Mon Calamari like stand up to the empire and you see the effects of it and that's you know that's the whole thing with Lee Char, like these issues were going back and forth and you know you have the suspense of like you know what's going to happen with Lee Char, where is he? Uh, in the Star Wars arc, and they're like, are they going to save him? And then you find out, like, around the same time that, no, Leak Char got, like, destroyed. And that's, you know, he's on life support. So it's an interesting thing to compare it and see, you know, when you, yeah, when you have the backstory of, hey, they went through some awful things, they tried to stand up, Radis tried to stand up in Rogue One, and he's dead, and all, like, all these people, like, sacrificed so much, and Urchia at this point is just trying to hold the plant together and try and keep his people safe, which I think, you, I mean, you always got that impression just reading this, but when you see what they went through, I think it hits so much harder. So I, I he's definitely a much more sympathetic character, I think, in that regard. 
Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, I definitely, you know, I, I wasn't a fan of, of him at, at first, but at the same time, you know, like Jacob was saying, he's like pretty sympathetic when you think about it because, you know, he wants the best for his people and he truly feels that um, giving the ships to the rebellion and betraying the empire is truly not the best for his people. And like, you know, there's something there that you can like respect about that, like just wanting the best for his people without being biased about it. Even if he is, even if he's wrong, it's just a matter of like what he believes in trying to be a, a good leader and all of that. Um, so I respected him for that at the end. And of course, uh, you know, I thought it was cool that he sacrificed himself and only himself mm -hmm. at the end because that meant more to me than like if he held this big meeting with all the Mon Calans and then decided to have everybody, you know, betray the empire and then all those people die. So I thought it was, it, I thought it was a fitting ending for him that really reclaimed his character in my eyes for sure yeah you know and, and the other mon cal that's uh featured pretty heavily heavily in this is is lee char and he has a pretty impactful uh part of this for being literally in so few panels like I mean, one I issue like yeah, he's just he's there for one, one issue uh, yeah and, and even then i think he's only in i think three panels in that issue so um, Caleb, I'm going to ask you, you know, how do you feel? Did you think that was effective? Do you think, you know, how, what do you think of his fate in this story? And do you like the way that he was used as, uh, you know, in the beginning of the arc where it's like, we have to go get him. We're going to go rescue him. Oh, wait, he can't be rescued, but he's got a final, like he was used throughout the entire arc. How, how, how do you, how do you like his, his usage? It was, it was interesting. Like, he was something that was somebody that was introduced in the Clone Wars series first. He got some like mixed rea re reactions there. He was you know kind of a young plucky kid. Then the same sort of thing happened in the the arc, the um, Burning Seas, where he definitely had a lot more of like a a, po a point plot to play in there. He was a lot more active and doer in this one. So in this one, in this arc, you're kind of like okay, so where is he? Where what has he been doing? Like, are we going to see him again? Are we going to recruit him? And he's going to be an ally. And when we finally like open up door and we see him and we see that, oh no, like this is what the Empire has done to our to the king. They have literally you know crippled him and broken him to like a shell of a Moncala. He's no longer like feel fit to do to even walk now and it's just kind of like this weird like kind of gut-wrenching scene of like oh this little kid that you know was plucky and that you know learned about courage from ahsoka is now then has then stood up and acted on that courage to stand up against the empire has now been so utterly crushed and defeated by him but then finally and when he's given the option he's still like stands up and begs his people to to resist and it's just kind of like this like you can't get a really good character arc here it's tragic it's sad but it is definitely one that i am glad that that's where they went with this character like i didn't know what else they what they could have done there's a lot of you know like having on <laughs> this sounds obvious but having an alive character gives you a lot more options to do down the line like they could have brought him back in the next series like he could have been like um someone to play off with um you know admiral akbar but no they decided that he would be that we're going to end his character arc here where he takes the ultimate like you know sacrifices his life to try to 
uh, impel uh, rebellion, and that was just a that was a good arc. So overall, I'm happy with what they did with uh, Prince Bleachar. It was tragic, but I like they did a good job with that characterization. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's interesting to see the comparison between him and the Clone Wars and him in this arc. Because in the Clone Wars, we see him as, you know, sort of the underdog, but he still keeps his hope. And in this arc, he is also an underdog, but also still keeps his hope for Mon Cala. And I, I like how they carried over his sort of plucky attitude, even despite the worst of circumstances uh, in both sort of situations that we've seen him in. So I think that's all well, for got- uh, just- Leechar and... Ertia. I never know how to pronounce his name. It's so tough. Um, so, Jacob, uh, do you want to round us out uh, for the characters with Luke? Yeah. And I mean, I was doing Han earlier, who is, you know, kind of a, a, a little bit of a footnote. And I think Luke almost is even more so in this story. Again, <laughs> yeah. this is it's all about Leia. And that's yeah. that's pretty great. Luke has had his time in the spotlight. But yeah, Luke, Luke has a I mean, he's a good old you know backwoods farm boy off Tatooine loves drinking his milk in the bar <laughs> which he's, he, he's the baby he, brother of the group exactly he, like confession yeah. time guys the reason we're talking about luke last is while i was doing the show notes i was listing out all the characters that was important to talk about and when i got to the end of like wait is there someone that we haven't <laughs> oh i guess i should probably put luke in here he's kind of a I mean, main character to arc I, I, mean, I don't know if we really even needed to to be on uh, uh, like it's a it's a very touching moment but i think it's you know the the moment outshines the character in the in this arc i think exactly the, the moment we're specifically talking about is when he meets up with wedge and they he buys mm-hmm. him a uh, special milk and like they're talking about what the death star run and it turns out that luke remembers every single member of of the red squadron that that passed away that that died during that mission it's kind of like oh this farm boy still like remembers a whole lot about this like he feels this so deeply and that's almost mirrored a little later in the uh underwater sequence like they're being chased by a giant huge fish and luke almost like like it's it's, they don't really expound upon it too much but he goes outside to distract the thing and it's like it's almost like he's willing to sacrifice himself to for the mission like he's willing to get eaten by that um giant fish just like that like he doesn't even care about his his life at that point as long as the mission can be done yeah the wild thing about him him remembering all the names is like it's a lot of names red, red squadron is bigger mm-hmm. than i thought about and he was part of red squadron for like two hours <laughs> like he's <laughs> like, yeah. like he, he shows up at belly and he hops in the cockpit and that's it like and then they're all dead like and he's yeah, still d- like they still left an impression on him enough for him to remember every single one of them other than the death star briefing do we don't even know does he have interactions with any of those? And like with Porkins and I mean, and... They, they 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 all sounded off together. Yeah, they all he counted numbers together. So you know, obviously yeah, he, he would, would remember Bigs, but he, he was not he, on the I, Bigs Porkins vacation. So <laughs> you know, really had that bonding time. <laughs> oh my goodness, we gotta do an episode all on that that one issue right there. It deserves it. Um, yeah, no, I I honestly think like Luke definitely has just a horrible case of survivor's guilt. I mean, if he remembers all of those names yeah. with people that that he didn't even really know all that well, except for Biggs, like you guys said. Um, and, and honestly, you know, you can feel that weight that he's carrying with him. I think that's why he was like so reckless with trying to distract the fish uh, that was chasing after their ship. I think I honestly think that that's why he like wanted to sacrifice himself. He wanted to do something 
that mattered as much as uh, his other squadron members that died. And it also was an interesting sort of foil with Han, where Han said uh, something like, uh, you shouldn't be getting too attached to people, especially people in a squadron. You know, Han sees them as disposable, whereas Luke thinks that everybody should survive no matter what uh, as a team. So um, very interesting sort of uh, counterpoints there. So uh, I think that'll do it for our characters. Um, let's move on quickly to uh, the, the moments here of of uh, this arc. And we're going to start out with the funny moments. And we've already talked about this quite a bit, but I, I feel like, you know, there's some some really good moments worth repeating here. First off, uh, right in the beginning, uh, we notably see uh, our, our crew and Akbar waiting for uh, the regent um on Moncala, but not underwater. They were uh, in like a nature preservation type of thing. And everybody was questioning Han about like how he knew about this spot, why it's here. And he said, well, I'm a smuggler. Of course, I'm going to you know, want to be in this like deserted area. And he was like playing all coy and, uh, you know, he blew up an Imperial patrol with a thermal detonator, trying to bribe him with a blank credit chip. It was like, Solid, solid Han humor in the the first issue, uh, the beginning of the first issue. Um, arguably, one of the funniest moments uh, had to be the Han and Chewie playing bathroom waiter or like attendance. That was the best, especially when like after like the Han not only volunteers like Chewbacca to be like as a hand tell, he like does the whole, so like. You got you got a tip, and then yeah, I, I, I think my favorite line is like he's like, oh, don't get so angry, Chewy. I'll, I'll split it with you. God, it reminded me. So this is gonna be like quite the reference, but in Dumb and Dumber, you know, they the two guys play the bathroom attendants because they need money for food. It just reminded me of that so much. I can see that. Yeah. yeah. Not um, not only does he does he convince a, a, an imperial, you know, high official that. Wiping their hands on a on a Wookiee is a high society trend. He's then able to convince her to tip them. I mean, that's just that's 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 pure gold, right there. Oh my goodness! And only only Han Solo could pull that off. Right. Um, absolutely. Uh, and then, of course, you know, more funny moments. We've got uh, you know Luke and all the all the milk jokes, and uh, you know, uh, you know he doesn't want anything too strong, so he's gonna get a milk, and you know, you gotta keep playing and- on the milk, so exactly um that was that was funny and uh and of course all the tunga stuff with him being the moth you know the acting and the 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 extravagant entrance into the opera which is something totally out of the character of the moth uh and and, you know the intermission stuff oh my gosh all of that was so so funny and of course we also had some dramatic moments caleb what about those oh yeah like overall i think this arc was Definitely, I think, had more funny moments and dramatic moments, but there's a lot of really good ones here. As I already uh, talked about, there's, like, the death of Lee Char. I think that's kind of when you, they, the switch got flipped on this arc. It's like, they, you know, like, jokes can leave the room now. We're we're about to get serious here. So there's the death of Lee Char. There's the, uh, the space battle and the sacrifice of the Aurora Flare. That was the name of the ship I had to look up. The holding the coaxium. Like... Yo, it seems like rebels escaping a blockade is like I I think like that is ninety percent of all the space battles we see in Star Wars, especially in the Rebellion era. It's like oh boy, we gotta get out of this blockade sort of area here. So you know the sacrifice of the 
uh, Coaxium to try to save the uh, the fleet so they can escape out of there. And then kind of the ending there with, uh, now they have the fleet, it's like realization that Queen Trios will be betraying them and that it's it's about to get a whole lot worse than what, instead of getting a whole lot better. So there's some like really good like dramatic moments right in the back half, right when they kind of finished it up. Yeah, for sure. Really, really solid moments all around. Um, so let's see here. Tyler, I'm going to give you last word before we, we re-rate. I believe you wanted to talk a little bit about the art. Yeah. So we've got to talk about the art a little bit because they're, first off, like the way that this book starts where we're on the surface of, of, of Moncala is beautiful. Like we don't see those light blues in a Star Wars book that often. The light blues and the browns and are, is great. And the faces of Han and Leia are almost photorealistic. Then you get a little bit farther in. And some of the faces, especially when 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 they're like painful, it's like they're able to see the art in the book because their faces just don't quite it's just uh, Jacob uh, is yeah. This, yeah. Well, which one are you zooming in on here? Because there's a couple of them uh, on this one. The moth's face right. is definitely the worst offender. Okay. Yes. Oh, are we talking about the 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 fourth panel? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think the term is the uncanny valley. Yeah. It's it's just there are just some moments where it's like that looks awesome and 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 it looks like Harrison Ford. It looks like Carrie Fisher. And then there are some moments where it's like the, 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 the mouth goes a little lower there. You kind of have to, you know, but so I, and, and I just, I wanted to, I wanted to at least comment on that because again, we are, the comics are a visual medium and, and, and going through the book and seeing, you know, these sorts of comments and, or seeing these sorts of these things and trends is something that, you know, we, that, that we want to, to, to call attention to. And, and again, the, most of the art is outstanding, but I think this is the first time in all the things that we've read where I've come to a, a panel and I was like, oh, okay, that's a decision that you made. And, you know, I'm not an artist myself, so I can't judge, but it was definitely something that I, the, the, the first time in, in 20 weeks in, of, of us really going doing deep diving into, co- in, into comics content where I noticed something. I was like, okay, that's that's an interesting choice. Yeah, I I agree. Like, there's definitely pros and cons to doing a more photorealistic style of art. Like, it could it 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 works sometimes and it doesn't work sometimes. But yes. you know, I appreciate the effort though because I feel like it, it's we don't see it that much. So the, like the photorealistic stuff, which I mean, maybe there's a reason why. Maybe I don't know. But you know, I there was definitely some moments, especially with Han and and Leia. Where it was like, oh my god, that looks like a picture of Carrie Fisher, or that looks like a picture of Harrison Ford, Absolutely. and it looked really good. Mm-hmm. So there was definitely, definitely good and bad there. The weird, the part you know when you're like a maybe too much of a Star Wars fan is when you can look at a panel and know the exact scene that he pulled for photo reference to like <laughs> do these pictures. It's like I think the. The like the one that stuck out to me the most, I think, was Luke's face in the uh, the like milk bar scene. Oh yeah, when he like, uh, the one in the middle. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. When he's like, oh yeah, where that's like, hey, that's Obi Wan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. 
Like he's looking up at Obi-Wan here. Yeah, I can see that, right? Yeah, there was another one yeah. when he was screaming, which I think was from the Death Star when he saw Ben yeah, die. Probably. Yeah, Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, Jacob, do you want to close us out with some Easter eggs? Sure, yeah. It's not as long as the list is normal. Um, I, I did, well, one, I did them like half an hour before the show started. Uh, but two... Like my normal method of like just Wikipedia in every single like proper noun came up with a lot of things that like literally was only in this arc. So there were you know not as many like connective tissue in this one, which is totally fine. But we have a few. So we have at the beginning when they're like fighting on this uh island in Moncala, Han runs towards the uh the shore where Chewbacca's waiting, and he yells, "Start the boat." Probably a reference to uh, him yelling, start the plane, as Indiana Jones in, uh, was it, uh, Raiders? Raiders, Raiders, Raiders of Lost yeah. Ark. In, in the opening gambit in uh, in the Maya territory. In Which the, we, uh, we had. We so hard. <laughs> we had a Raiders reference in Dr. Aphra in volume one, too. So I guess, I mean, you know, we got some, got some Indiana Jones, Jones fans, you know, not really that surprising. Um but uh, back in the, the milk bar scene, uh, Hobby and Zev mentioned General Syndulla running them through training exercises. And, of course, we see uh, her operation over in the Afro series um, uh, where she's using an old um, an old separatist like uh, command ship. Yeah, droid command ship. Yeah, uh, it's like a Luke, uh, Lucre Hulk or something like that. Oh, yeah. I, I can't pronounce Nice pull. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, so speaking of Hera, we do see her and Zeb in the big uh, command meeting. I think Shriv might be there as well. It's a, it's a Duros. It's kind of hard to tell. Uh, but Hera and Zeb are are definitely there. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have Tunga, uh, our, our shapeshifter, who's a Claudite, and you might recognize you might not recognize the species name, but you definitely will probably recognize the most famous member of that species, which is Zam Wessel, the shapeshifting bounty hunter from Attack of the Clones. Uh, and then, of course, we mentioned earlier, Tunga mentions how Luke looks short in his Stormtrooper disguise, an obvious reference to A New Hope. Uh, the giant sea monster in uh, uh, in the prison planet is, uh, at least according to Wikipedia, an OPC killer, a.k.a. a gooberfish. Gooberfish! From, big gooberfish! Uh, <laughs> big gooberfish! Uh, from Naboo, one of the giant sea monsters, which of course there are always a bigger fish. Yes, uh, I, I was waiting. I was waiting for that line. I... Someone had to do it. <laughs> there, there's always a bigger fish. Um, but and then uh, the stormtroopers in the prison base. I I I'm shocked. I saw this. Yeah, uh, they're playing cards, too. and if you look closely, they're just like. Real life playing cards, like one of them has like uh, there's like a like few a like queen flying of up in the air. Yeah, it's like a queen of hearts and like a jack of spades in there. It's not like sabak or pizak or anything like that. No, it's just just playing cards. Uh, so I don't know if uh, is 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 uh Texas Hold'em canon? I I don't know. <laughs> Possibly, maybe. Um, go fish. What's the tex? What's the Texas of Star Wars? Uh, a, a discussion Mantel? for another time. Yeah, put it in the Discord. Uh, what is the Texas of oh, yeah. Star Wars? We need to know. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> uh, wherever Mando is at that time and place. Um, but so then we had that. Then the Mon Calamari ship full of coaxium. Uh, we found out it was headed for Red Hearn, uh, which was a planet first mentioned in Battlefront Twilight Company by Alexander Freed. And then lastly, at the end, they drop off Tunga on the Cosmotanic Steps, which is a frequently used location in the Dr. Afra series. You'll recognize it if you watched our Dr. Afra roundtable uh, a couple months back. So 
That is it for roundtables. Uh, 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 an abbreviated round or uh, roundtables. Uh, Easter eggs. An abbreviated Easter eggs, but uh, good nonetheless. So I went back to that that panel with the cards. Not only are they playing cards, but they literally show you a jack of diamonds and yep. a jack of spades oh, in, yeah. in in the book. So yeah, that's that's great. Playing cards are are officially in uh, in in Star canon. Wars canon. Mm-hmm. All righty, boys. So. Really quickly, let's go around the room and re-rate the volume. I will go first, and I am going to stay at my 9.5. I just love this arc so much. There's just something about it. I've already said it a thousand times over in this this episode. Um, Just all the Leia stuff is great. Humor was great. The the drama was great. Connections with Mon Cala and some of the stuff we've seen in other Star Wars media in the past was fun. Um, seeing how the Rebellion is expanding in this time is always so interesting, and especially with something as important as uh, the Mon Calamari fleet being assembled. Like, that's huge. Um, just so many good things in this, in this arc, and uh, really, really one of my all-time favorites for sure. So, uh, Tyler, what is uh, your final rating? So I'm going to bump this up to an 8.5 from an 8.2. Um, and because I really liked the conversation that we had where um, when Caleb was talking about the, the similarities between um, uh, Queen Trios and, and Leia and, and really being able to see that. And it, it kind of negated one of my negative one of my, you know, points against it. And that, you know, Leia should have known should have known this and, and, and really, uh, you know, she's smarter than this as a character and, and really shouldn't have put all of the eggs in, in that one basket. But that conversation really kind of put that, put that whole element at a different perspective for me. And I kind of now, you know, write it off as, 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 you know, a plausible situation. So, uh, bumped it up to an 8.5. Awesome. Caleb, how about you? Um, I was wavering around there. So I think I'll put it at a solid 8.0. You know, I don't you know. That's a, I think it was a really good, you know, session like it, you know, when we, added more to what the rest of the series has been doing and been going through like i think it's like a really solid story tells a you know great connective tissue there and it'll move on and you know to uh really fun heights here so uh yeah they'll definitely uh, no not like we would ever recommend you skipping arcs in the series but definitely worth your time give it another read if it's been a while uh yeah 8.0 awesome finally jacob yeah, so I started at an eight point five, and I, I I traditionally do half like half number values only because it um it doesn't it requires me to think less, <laughs> uh, and I'm really bad at, at like just giving a subjective rating on something. But I'm going to give it an eight point seven five. I don't think it quite it quite comes to so we're going in quarters now. Uh, I don't think it quite hits that 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 height of a, a nine plus, but. It's still a very enjoyable arc, and it sets up a lot of you know, a lot of really amazing storytelling in the back half. And of course, uh, a great chance—it's a great chance to spotlight the character of Leia. Um, and, and as the you know, as the you know, she starts off. She's always been all kind of like a leader in the rebellion, even from the from the from the get go in A New Hope. But we really see, I think, her evolution into a really like prominent figure. Um, in you know episode five and on so uh just it's, it's small growth because she's already you know she's already here she doesn't need to get, get much to get up here so but yeah i i love this and uh yeah 8.75 still still great arc 
All awesome right. Stuff. Well, congratulations, Emma. You have convinced all of us to uh, to raise this uh, even higher than our first uh, initial scores. So I want to take one more moment before we close out the show tonight to remind you that uh, our next roundtable, which is on September 8th, will be the highly anticipated The High Republic There Is No Fear trade paperback. Uh, as Jacob explained at the top of the show, um, there are some instances where you can get it already uh, as of today, either digitally or in your local comic store. Uh, there are some instances like Amazon where you, there might be a bit of a delay until uh, September 7th. But everybody should be uh, should have read it by or will have ample enough time to read it. I believe all of you uh, who regular tune in and or regularly join us in the chat have mentioned that you guys are reading it, the actual issues as they come out. Um, week by week. Uh, so uh, that next roundtable is 9-8. So if you have been waiting to get the trade paperback to read this, um, it's great. You will fly through this. It is so great if you um, if you have already read uh, anything of The High Republic. I believe I saw a question in the Discord. It was either in the Discord at the top of the show in the chat about whether or not they should what they should read first when it comes to The High Republic. Always start with Light of the Jedi. And then, kind of go from there. Come to come to the Discord channel. Let us, you know, let 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 us let us help you. But you absolutely must read Light of the Jedi before you before you read this, or else you're going to get kind of lost. So, all right. Well, that will do it for this week's episode of the Cosmic Force. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, or right here on YouTube as we broadcast live every Wednesday night at eight p.m. Um, be sure to also visit utini.com for reviews, articles, and news for the entire expanded universe. Uh, go ahead and join us for all of our amazing Star Wars and non-Star Wars conversations in our Utini Discord community by going to utini.com slash Discord. And you can also help support the show by heading to patreon.com slash Utini and start receiving exclusive perks starting at just $5 a month. A special thank you to OK Endar, Cheryl Bell, Patrick Ortiz, and Carl Sander on our Jedi High Council, as well as Carl Hickman, Elizabeth Cloutier, Jason Mitchell, Freddie C. and Sally and Chris Eilerson on our Alliance High Command for their amazing support. Don't forget, you can also tweet the show at Cosmic Force Show or at any of us hosts individually. I'm at Ty Rags. Emma is at Irma Jedi 26. Caleb is at Caleb Lamanek. And Jacob is at Jacob Bosch. Thank you again to Emma, Caleb, and Jacob for hosting with me tonight. Thank you for to all of us, all, all of you that were in the chat with us live tonight. And thank you wherever and whenever you are tuning into this uh, sometime into the future. Until next week, may the Force be with you.